to talk to you again. Yeah, you too. I was just looking and it has been over two years since you were last on the show, which I can't believe. Yeah, well, time flies when you're famous and important like we are. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing so much since then. It's truly wild. <laughs> That's really sweet of you to say. I feel like all, everything I do is not only like insufficient, it's an insufficient amount of productivity, but that it's often kind of invisible, you know, so the stuff I'm excited about is stuff that the rest of the world doesn't know about yet and won't for months and months, um, which, you know, is kind of the, the, like the fate of the freelancer. Um, but also with the, with the press too, you know, like the books I'm like most excited about may or may not even be out this year, you know, cause it's like, they're still being written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that the press is called Tiger Bee Press, which I don't think existed the last time you were on. I think it came into being in, in what, like late 2016? Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. Wow, that's crazy that it's been that it wasn't around when we spoke. So also Total Mood Killer was was barely even like a glint in anyone's eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is the uh, the poetry book that you put out that I am that it's a split a split LP uh, with me and Nina Polari. Yeah. And that was, I'm still so grateful for you putting that out. Uh, it was so awesome. I'm really happy it worked. And I, I do, I think it's, the, it was like the perfect marriage. Um, it's the, I just, I, lo- I love the book and I get really excited when other people understand why it's great. Yeah. And it's so cool to do like, to be doing, also, actually, no, Tiger Bee Press on the website, it says it was established 2015. So I might have just um, maybe I winged it there. Well, um, I don't understand what years are. You know, you just retweeted that old tweet of yours where you're like, in 2043, somebody's like 30 years ago. And you're like, oh, you mean the 90s or whatever? That's exactly how I am. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, whatever year anybody says any year, I'm like, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's um, it's funny how you get stuck in like thinking like, I mean, I think everyone does that or just like, you know, you come of age in a certain time and you're like, oh, the 90s were 10 years ago. And it's like they were not. They were 20 years ago, approaching 30, um, which means we're getting old and we're all getting older, but we're getting wiser, too. And we're getting wiser to the ways of the world. We're maybe getting a little jaded, but, um, it's, you know, we've accumulated. Uh, wisdom i think yeah hopefully yeah well that's the uh you know the illusion at least (laughs) (laughs) um no i i uh this is really going off speaking of wanging things this is a real wang this is a real tangent (laughs) but (laughs) i really want people to start saying that like if i could just go off on a wang here Um, I was reading, I was reading this little, I don't even know if I want to name the names in it. And by the time this is aired, I mean, this is the, the pace of, you know, me to revelation slash accusations, I guess, slash, you know, wherever you fall, like politically on that spectrum. Um, it's so fast paced that I think even like even context clues often don't give away what you're talking about because it's just this constant waterfall of you know like allegations um but just yesterday i was reading something about a musician who had been accused and i didn't really understand what he had been accused of and i kept trying because because the details in the in the piece where i'm like it sounds like he's just being accused of being an asshole it doesn't sound like he actually um Mm -hmm. did something coercive or abusive or you know it just sounds like he's like a real dick um and uh, and I was doing a little bit of research as you do when you're, should be writing and <laughs> you're going to go down like a Twitter K hole. And mm-hmm. I was just like clicking around and I found this tweet by a girl who was saying something like, oh yeah, he apologized, but we've been talking to him about this for, I think they said like, she said two years or something. And, you know, he was still acting this way, like as early as a few months ago. And I just don't think he's ever going to change. And I just had this moment of being like, oh man, like, but I think you all are like 
like you're 20 years old or something. And which doesn't mean you should be, you know, like you shouldn't be allowed to participate in the conversation, but I'm just, Oh God. Like, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I remember how that feels when you're 20 and you just think like things are very clear and sometimes they aren't, sometimes they aren't, but I'm just like, Oh, it's really intense to be like, I don't know. A person's been this way for two years. Like, I don't think they're ever going to change. Like, um, it was definitely one of those moments where I'm like, wow, the youth, you know, not a disapproving way. It just been like, oh, it's hard to have perspective when you're very young. Yeah, no, it's like, ugh, um, I, this is something I've talked about before, like kind of at length, but, and, and maybe not directly relevant to the question of like being an asshole, but just even the way that stuff I think follows you around, um, is something that younger people are having to deal with in a way that like I never did um in a way that a lot of people I know I never did because um our you know youthful indiscretions uh were uh never you know never archived online yeah um yeah I don't <laughs> I guess this is a topic of uh like reoccurring interest to me and I think to you particularly like kind of like through the, the showman land, you know, conflict is not abuse and all that. Um, we're just, it really is interesting to see. Um, I hate, I hate to use any of what I think of as the enemy's phrases, but you know, like out, <laughs> outrage culture or whatever. I mean, it, this stuff is kind of real. So speaking of, of Tiger Bee, sort of the two publications I'm most excited about um that I think will come out this year one maybe next year um because it is still in like its early stages but um they both there 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 have been moments where I kind of was like oh man am I walking into like an internet shitstorm by publishing this stuff Mm -hmm. because I'm so used to and it's not because I don't think it's because anything about it makes me personally uncomfortable or that I think is actually like ethically unsound in some way or dangerous or, you know, oppressive. I mean, my God, like that's a very low bar, but you know what I'm saying? Like this, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, but, but I feel like I'm so trained to reading with this kind of like internet eye where somebody says something and it's just like, I just think like, Oh man, you really, it's not okay for you to say that, you know? And then immediately I'm like, why do I feel that way? Like, is that something I actually believe? Or am I just imagining like all the stupid tweets you would get in response to it? Um, but I think it's been a good exercise to just kind of, to, to be like, no, I have, after a certain point, you do have to disregard the people who, you know, are just constantly looking for something to blow up about in like the worst faith way possible. Um, and I think maybe this year is the year when I really was like, you know what, like, I'm not gonna, just because someone else is a sex worker, like, I'm not going to pretend that like, they get to say whatever they want to me. And you know, like, I'm just gonna start blocking and muting people more. And, you know, like, it, and it feels really good. Um, it feels, it feels really good to kind of be like, well, not that that doesn't still have an effect on me or can't impact me. But, um, but just that, like, I'm just not going to participate in anymore. Like, I'm not going to pretend that this like ridiculous pedantic tweet where you're obviously getting like more and more, um, (laughs) self-righteous, you know, that I, that I owe you some sort of apology for like a line and a piece of mind that you think was, I don't know, like ageist or something, you know, where I'm like, just, I'm not doing this. Like this isn't, first of all, I don't even think it's healthy for you. Like, you know, you need to go get fresh air. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of going outside, which I know can sound really dismissive, but like, I, I, there's maybe a better way to put it. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I feel like it's easy to lose perspective if your whole world is the internet, which isn't to say that the internet isn't real, because of course it is. And, and things that happen on there have very real impacts on people's lives. And most of my close relationships were initiated online but like at some point i think you have to experience the world offline to sort of get some balance to your understanding of it yeah i mean you're right like there is a way in which it um you know when i was when i was younger early 20s i was 
pretty precocious when it comes to knowing how to piss people off. And one of my favorite moves used to be to end an email with some, I'm trying to remember like the exact, it was something really shitty. I would only end emails to men this way. So you already know, like, they're not gonna be able to handle it, whatever it is, right? Whatever I just say. Um, But I, I think I used to say something like, it was when I was, you know, like I was in my early stages of like in-person sex working, particularly like independent in-person sex working. And I was using Craigslist to try to um, sniff some guys out and obviously scads of like time wasters and assholes. And, mm-hmm. um, and what I would do, because I knew it would really twist the knife, um, is I would kind of say something like, oh yeah, obviously like we're not, you know, we're not, it was, it would be after we'd exchanged a few like bristly emails and eventually I would just be like, oh yeah, you know, like obviously this isn't going to work. So like, thanks in advance for not contacting me again. And (laughs) (laughs) you cannot tell a man, a horny idiot man, thanks in advance for not contacting me again without knowing for a fact that he is going to start emailing you like every hour on the hour. Um, but, uh, which I did on, you know, on purpose to like get under their skin. Um, but yeah, so there is a certain like disingenuous to kind of just being like, ah, like, I don't know, like when I just said, you know, go get some fresh air, it was really me being like, just fuck the hell off, like stop bothering me. Um, but, but when you do get a little, when you do back up from it some, I think it is, it does become obvious. And I'm like, what is going on with you that like you are fixating on this little, what on, on like a non-offense that like you know i mean i want to clarify because i have the internet in my brain at all times i'm not talking about somebody like using the n-word and then being like it was one time and it's no big deal like you need to go get some fresh air i mean like legitimately petty as hell stuff where the other person coming for you you in my case being me and like um like another cis white woman who's you know like who's who's going to try to like lecture me on something. I'm just like, what is wrong with like, why are you fixated on this petty non-issue? You know that we're aligned on probably like 95% of what we think about the world. Like, why do you feel like this is your chance to like extort some sort of public apology for me? Like, what would that even mean to you? I don't think it would satisfy anything in you. Like the, like the satisfaction is inherent in like the anger and like the confrontation, you know? So it's like, it's just so psychologically weird. It's like this, this actually isn't good for anyone. I'm not trying to like evade accountability. This is just like psychotic. Yeah, no. And I think we like don't talk enough. Like, I think it's easy to, to talk about like this sucks when someone is doing it to you. But I think there is also like um, a detrimental effect on the people who are, who do it. Like to hold all that anger in your body um, is you know, there's physiological effects. Like you're stressing yourself out. Your your cortisone, cortisol. I'm not a biologist or chemist, <laughs> but whatever the stress chemical is, that's building up in your body, and like that can have really serious health effects. And and not to mention the emotional consequences of being upset all the time. And I um, you know, I've been that person, and it's not a comfortable, but it's not a comfortable way to live. And I don't think it's a sustainable way to live. I think most people who enact that kind of behavior, like myself included, eventually just have to have to, you know, age out of it because it is too exhausting. And unfortunately, that can sometimes lead to a burnout where um, you let things slide that maybe you shouldn't, but because you're so burnt out on the the, the going after everything that um, you don't have the energy to to tackle those things anymore. Um, yeah, I used to think of myself as a person who doesn't like confrontation, but I don't really know that that's entirely true. I think it's more like I don't I don't feel like I try to create or seek out you know different types of confrontation, and also that like I actually like confrontation to the extent that it can be playful and that it's in good faith. You know, like I actually kind of relish like a shouting match where we weren't like shouting at each other. We're like shouting because we care about the things we're arguing about. Like I like arguing, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, but there has to be something of substance to argue about. I don't like arguing just for the hell of it. And I definitely don't like 
creating enemies for no reason. And it really does boggle my mind that people use, use Twitter particularly in this way where they like log on and they're like, I'm just going to at a stranger and get right up in their fucking face. <laughs> it, it's just so crazy to me. I'm like, why would you think that way? But then I was pretty lucky because I mean, it was so long ago. It's honestly hard to remember. But when I first began using Twitter regularly, I kind of immediately had this community of sex workers and sex worker rights activists. And it was just a joy for me. You know, I would like vent about work. I had all these um, sympathetic like audience members and friends and um, I would meet people that way. And, you know, like then later I'd get writing assignments that way. So like when I get on Twitter normally, now it's harder because I do enjoy it a lot less. And I feel like it's changed. And of course, like the whole world has changed. Um, everything feels less good now. <laughs> Orgasms, chocolate doesn't taste as good. Everything is just, <laughs> we're all just slowly degrading into ash. But like, there was a time, you know, for most of my Twitter lifespan, when I logged on, it was like, I'm going to talk to my friends, you know, I mean, it really was like that where I'm like, I'm going to go read the funny things the people I like said. And it wasn't me logging on and being like, shit, no one is talking to me. No one's paying attention to me. Like, how do I use this thing? I want to get in there and mix it up. I'm just going to start firing them off to strangers. Like, <laughs> it's so weird to me. That's not, it's not what I want to do. And I don't think I've, I've ever done it. Or if I have done it, like sometimes, you know, I just want to like join in with the dog pile and you see like a stupid tweet and people are replying and like dunking on the person. I'm kind of like, yeah, I want to get in here too. And I'm like at, you know, at famous idiot reporter, like you're dumb and like send. And then immediately I'm kind of like, Oh, that, I didn't feel great about that. I'm going to delete it. So <laughs> like the rare occasions that I do it, I immediately regret it. And I just, I really don't understand like particularly among um, like sex workers where I feel like we are relatively, it's a, relatively small community and I don't understand the idea of wanting to like really get scrappy with other sex workers and like draw these lines in the sand and make your friends feel like they have to choose I mean it's really a mess yeah oh I I I think I've said this before but I don't do any of that anymore it's um I don't even do the the sort of quote tweet or like the um, the screen cap dunk, I think screen capping is psychopathic behavior, <laughs> frankly. Um, and while I do drink my coffee black, which is another one of those traits, um, it's a, a bridge too far for me at this point. Like, I forget when I decided I don't do this anymore. I can't have been more than a year ago. But like, I used to want to like reply to people who I perceived as having a lot of status or or material security because I was so frustrated at them. Mm-hmm. When I, especially when I felt like they didn't deserve it, but I guess I just realized like it doesn't do anything for me. It temporarily, maybe there's a hit of of that like adrenaline, but then um, there is sort of the downturn where they maybe send their people after you, um, or you just kind of look like a dick to some people, and the people who agree with you, like they already agree with you, and like I don't really see the point anymore um and that does sort of maybe mean that my twitter presence has become just sort of way more (laughs) jokey and less serious but i do try and occasionally tweet about things that are still important and impactful um just in a way that isn't like quote tweeting some dumbass reporter who has an outsized uh following because he has bad opinions and i'm not naming any names here um but i think we all know who i'm talking about (laughs) But again, there are way too many people um, to count. So, uh, yeah, it's like, I don't know if this, I think this is like a kind of common feeling amongst a lot of people, especially kind of veterans of uh, of social media at this point. Mm-hmm. But I just can't do it. And I can't do it when other people are doing it either. I have to mute. Um, but actually, my secret is that I don't look at my timeline anymore. I I very I, rarely do either. I don't. What I do is I use TweetDeck and I just deleted the timeline column. Whoa, I, I didn't feel, even do that. <laughs> I feel kind of bad because I don't see my friends' good content as much. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, maybe I have like an hour day where I can scroll through it. But um, but mostly I just see my mentions, my DMs, 
and mentions of, of my shows and stuff. And that's about it. And I feel like that's been, and I took Twitter off my phone mm -hmm. and not, not to be that person about it, but, um, I think it's improved my life. Yeah. I've, I've been spending a lot less time looking at Twitter. I feel much better. I mean, I knew that for a long time, you know, I was like, when yeah. I do this less, I feel better. However, I have to keep doing it. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is like, I don't like to use that language of addiction, but right. like, there is a cycle of this sort of adrenaline hits, um, or like the, the, the compulsion to do a thing, um, even though, you know, consciously it's makes you feel bad. Um, but I did the same thing where I like, I took Twitter off my phone and I, um, you know what I did is like, I finally made a list and mm, I'll just yeah. like look at the list instead of looking at the timeline usually, or like if I open Twitter now, I'm, I'm kind of on there rarely enough that when it's like, here's what you might've missed. Um, it lets me really use the internet at kind of like peak early mom on like AOL or something where it just gives me you know, like the funny thing that literally 40,000 people have already retweeted. And I'm just kind of like, oh, cat, you know, and then I like, look at those top, like four, and I like fave them all. And then I'm immediately like, go to my list. Um, and like, that's that I mean, the only downside of the list that I know of is that hopefully my friends forgive me, but you do kind of look like a creeper, because it will show you everyone's tweets, like so compressed. And when I'm going through and I'm like, fave, fave, fave. It looks like I'm just stalking them, you know, uh -huh. um, which I guess I am in a way, I guess that is the function of the list, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think I'm just with you. Like it, it really feels more unpleasant now. And I know that like, I have some, some friends and like other writers I respect who have gotten entirely off of it. Like they've deleted their accounts and that, that really feels like the dream to me, but then I also sometimes feel bad, you know, for a while I felt bad about doing it. Cause I was like, Oh, I need to promote the bad advice readings. Um, and then I, um, and bad advice is ending soon. Like on the 25th, it's having the last reading, but then I'm kind of like, Oh, I need to promote like Tiger V stuff. So I don't know, I guess I'm on the fence with like how, how much I can justify like totally deleting my account versus still, you know, using it just to like get the news out about certain things. Um, but I, but I did get rid of Facebook, which Facebook always sucked. I was never like a Facebook girl. I didn't understand it really. Um, and now I like yeah, Instagram. I deleted it as well. <clears throat> I haven't been on Facebook in maybe two years. And it, I will say like, I, there are some people who were never on Twitter who just did Facebook and like, I lost touch with them I and know. that kind of sucks. Yeah. But, um, and I did appreciate, I was in some Facebook groups that were, that were really cool, but I think it was worth disconnecting from that for me it was one less thing basically and also tumblr i don't use anymore i should get an instagram but i don't post pictures of myself online so it would basically just be an all cat account but I, you would have tons of but you'd have more followers than i would have <laughs> if that's any incentive <laughs> i might start one just... <laughs> or i might start a private one where i just share selfies with friends oh yeah that would be really fun you should do that. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know that I'm, I'm trying to figure Instagram out because I feel like I, um, like a lot of like complete fucking nerds. Like, I just feel like, oh, if I study this phenomenon, I'll be able to kind of like pack it, you know? So I'm like looking at Instagram and kind of like, oh, I have to start working out more so I can like post pictures of myself doing squats and get more followers. <laughs> <laughs> Do those That's squats. what people want Gotta for get that, they want squats. So right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start working out soon. And I have been saying this for exactly a year at this point, because I've had a gym membership for a year. I've probably gone a dozen times, like once a month on average. But I was just doing cardio, which is like kind of really boring. And um a friend of mine, uh Kay Gabriel, um, who you may know, yeah, is, I know. Uh, okay. yeah, is um going to show me how to get swole and lift weights which I'm so excited about um yeah I started um lifting weights again very very recently but it was just basically like I was I was really like a broken woman for five days because this one guy kicked <laughs> my ass so bad I don't know why he did it I don't know if I like bothered him or what but it was really brutal um but I know it's like it'll all come back quickly I, um, I just had taken, I was doing cardio for a while too. And, you know, there's such, um, 
disdain in like the lifting community for girls who just do cardio. Um, they're definitely like the pumpkin spice latte crew of the mm-hmm. workout world. But I just discovered this dance cardio class that I love so much. And I just love it. I never, I, I don't feel like I'm going to go to this dance cardio class and get the body of my dreams, which is like skinny with no ass. It's just that I just like the class. Mm. So um, that's all I've been doing. But yeah, it's great. <laughs> Um, I've probably mentioned this on this podcast before, and I'm not sure if I've told you though, but my sister is a bodybuilder. Oh, wow. I don't think I did know that. Yeah. Well, I think she's on a break right now because basically it turns out bodybuilding, if you're trying to do competitions is very expensive Yes, and you don't actually make any money yeah. out of it until you go pro, which is very difficult to do. Yes. Um, so she was basically hitting the gym every day. She was basically just eating like steamed chicken breasts constantly, but she would have this closet full of like, she would make trips down to Buffalo cause she lives in Canada just to get the most bizarre American snack foods, like different kinds of flavored peanut butter, weird Oreos, bizarre cereal and pop tarts. And she would sort of just have this like stash that I guess she like used to motivate herself to like in the off times she could forge on it but um i don't she her whole thing is very strange but her her thing now um is she wants to be a drag queen and i support this wholeheartedly (laughs) (laughs) i think it would be so right so good um like bodybuilder turned drag queen please please do this because if nothing else it would probably kick my ass into finally writing some kind of memoir (laughs) oh yes yes because it would make amazing material um so i'm like subtly encouraging her yeah that's awesome yeah i mean you know chase your bliss um whatever that may be as long as it's not hurting anyone um, she loves the stage. It just sounds like she loves the stage. She loves the stage, the theater. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe she could have been an actress. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, yeah. You're not going to try and get into pro uh, bodybuilding anymore? No, because I know it's so expensive and also my cellulite's so bad. <laughs> and you do have to be orange, I think. You have to be orange. You have to. You do have to be orange a little bit. And also you have to cover your tattoos. <gasps> yeah, you're right. You do have to do that, don't you? No, it you sounds do. competing sounds like a nightmare to me, but I do like want to look that good. I mean, I basically so when I was I just like I mean, I literally just started going to the gym and like working out again. I'm like, I need a personal trainer because like I kind of know what to do, but I'm too lazy to really keep track of it. You know, I mean, it's so precious with these like super cut guys sitting on a bench, like slouched over their little notebooks, like making notes about like what they lifted. It's so adorable. <laughs> um, and, like, I I can't do that. I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm like, I need somebody else in charge of that. I need someone supervising me and like making me work hard because I won't, won't work hard otherwise. Um, so when I met this um, woman, you know, who's like, now my trainer um and she was kind of like okay so like what are your goals i'm like i don't care about health like i'm already healthy um i need a better lower body i don't i can't be like one of these women with implants who's like has these like big boobs and then it's just like like a <laughs> stick you know what i mean like that that was the look at one time it's not mm-hmm. the look anymore um no. so i was like i basically i was like i really need an ass that's like so good that strangers want to like take pictures of it on the subway. Um, so we'll see. We all, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, um, the goal, I guess. Yeah. For, I like, it doesn't have to, it us. doesn't have to be big. I just want it to like catch people's attention by being like unusually like controlled. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, I would engineered. love that too. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, although I have, um, the, um, what was one of the big sort of like body, um, you know, Praise. What am I trying to say? It was a thing that a lot of people wrote XOJ and pieces about. It's what I'm trying to say. Um, I have like the hip dips. So what that means is that my butt is kind of um, not super there, <laughs> uh, which is like I can work out. I can do squats. But um, 
it's not gonna round it out so um my hopes and dreams have been dashed and i um guess i could get butt implants well this is like this is like you're the kid you're the kid who's like an adult who's been like you're never gonna play professional basketball merit and you're like yeah no (laughs) yeah or like the ballerina it's like your your fibia is too weird you're never gonna be in like the (laughs) church yeah Oh, well, I just don't wear yoga pants and I'm fine. I mean, I I think my ass will always be kind of on the sadder side, but I know it can be better (laughs) than it is now um, because I've been there before. I just took, you know, this like this, this break for a while um, and was doing other things, but we'll get it back. Yeah, I believe (laughs) we'll do it. I mean, you'll do it, but I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines. You know, it was so cute. This is like tangentially related to if this is another wang, this is a wang on top of a wang. Like, <laughs> I love how you keep trying to make that happen. I'm gonna, I, well, it doesn't, it, it makes sense in my head. Like, there's a way it makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So, like, uh-huh. I'm just imagining, like, also, I think I would never, like, a really beautiful, straight, tall, proud, full boner, I would never call a wang. I would only call it <laughs> I would only call it a wang if it were like going off to the side. Do you know what I mean? I okay, so that is where you're getting this like Yeah. Um, kind of like a, like, wang as like, like, a, like another left turn, you know. Okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> I yeah, no, that makes sense. Right? I yeah, I don't think I I'm I'm I think the listeners at home are right on my way like <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was at, um, I was at Trader Joe's last night and this woman, this really cute woman was in this aisle and I just was walking by and she was, I just heard this like young lady and I was like, she's talking to me. I'm not really young enough anymore to be like young lady, but I do like when people pretend that, you know, so I turned around and looked at her and she was just kind of looking at me with like this coy little smile on her face. I was like, okay, I'm going to walk over to her. And she's, and she had a like an item in her hand and it was oatmeal and she was showing it to me and she was like, is this healthy? And I'm like, yeah, healthy. What? You know? <laughs> and she was saying for someone who has diabetes, I'm like, Oh yeah, no, this is the best. Cause it's unsweetened. You know, um, this is great. And then she was kind of like, but would it cause someone to gain weight? And I'm like, Oh, well, do you want to gain weight? And she's like, no. And she's like, I've been gaining weight and I can't figure out why I'm like, and you eat this. And she's like, I eat two packets of it like every morning. And she was, she was like holding the front to me and I was like turning it around, which she seemed to not like, but I was like turning it around to the nutritional facts so I could show her. And I was just like, I was like, no, no, like this is very healthy. Like, um, you know, it's got no sugar. This is just like straight whole grains it's good for you. It's got like fiber, you know, whatever. And she was just like, well, I eat this in the morning, like two packets of this and like an avocado. And she started listing all this other stuff. And I was just like, no, your breakfast is fine. But it was so cute. It was this is what happens if you go outside and get off Twitter. It was so I have no idea why she decided to ask me this. But it was <laughs> it was really cute. I felt like happy that I could be of some assistance. Um yeah, I don't know. That's one of those like it was just so so weird. And then like Sam had to go wait for me while I was done, you know, having this consultation <laughs> in the aisle of Trader Joe's about oatmeal. Um yeah, but so everyone's into health these days. Everyone's into health. What's that about? What's being healthy about? Because you know what? Uh, you can't be healthy enough that you won't die. But we haven't really proven that yet, have we? I think, well, if anything, it seems like um, I think the way you don't die is to be um, just to cultivate evil within yourself to sort of accumulate evil spiritual energy yeah um and that sustains you um health doesn't seem to be a factor uh just being you know a fucking necromancer um being a ghoul being a goblin that's those are all things that really are anti-aging you know we're all about being healthy and you doing skincare and preventing aging but the only thing that can prevent you from dying is um, just being a hell man. This is true. This is true. And like, I mean, 
like Dick Cheney, John McCain, like these people who are just, they're never going to die. I don't really believe that Anton Scalia is dead. I would need to see some proof. Like I would need to hold his bones in my hands. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Get those bones. (laughs) Make them into, make them into jewelry. And I had, um, there was a client I had years ago, but like kind of stayed in touch with because he was so rich. He was one of the richest clients I ever had, just like obscenely rich. And, um, he, when I was still seeing him, he would sometimes tell me these stories about like weird health stuff that had happened to him. Um, and I would be like, well, where are your scars? And, and he was like, well, the, you know, my doctors, like while he was unconscious after the surgery, like immediately called in a plastic surgeon to try to like, I mean, some of this, I'm like, are you just fucking with me? Cause like, I would never be able to afford this level of <laughs> like, like, are you making this up or is this real? You know? Um, and maybe like two or three years ago, I kind of reached out to him cause I was like, why the hell not? Maybe he'll pay me, you know, like, like a, you know, suitcase full of money to like go visit him. Um, and it's like, how are you? And he wrote back this really rambling, um, I'm going to seem like a monster for a minute, but just know that more is coming. (laughs) He wrote back this really rambling, um, very self-involved email that was like talking about how he had cancer and was probably going to die soon. And, um, you know, Mia, I'm just like, I'm like, okay, well, do you want to spend some of that money on me? Like before you go or what? Um, which I didn't like, you can't uh, take it uh, with you though. I know, I so know, why not? Kind of like, it seems like what you're saying to me is like, you need like a benefactor. Anyway. Um, I was also just like, I was like, no fucking way. Is he going to be dead in six months? Like, I don't care what cancer he has. No way. And I Googled him not long ago and he is still alive. And he does have cancer. There are like articles about his cancer and like him working with, you know, like the, this cutting edge, whatever. It's like, I don't think he's evil. He is old and white and just outrageously rich. And yeah, I'm kind of like, he's not going to, I'm going to die before him. Like, it doesn't matter how nice my skin looks. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, money also prevents you from dying, I think. Yeah. How do we get, how do we get more of that? Um, well, that's kind of the whole game, isn't it? Um, I don't know. If I knew, I probably wouldn't have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because I had enough money, I wouldn't have to be talking to you right now. (laughs) Thanks, Merritt. No, I mean, I'd be talking to you, just not... We wouldn't have to record it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Now, the bone thing, to go go on another wang. Thank you. Um... To to get on another wing for a second, um, uh, the bone thing. Did you do you know what happened recently to me? No, I cannot um, imagine what happened recently. To okay, well, I was tweeting about this. Some bones came out of my body, um, and like just kind of like Wolverine. You know, who used to have the bone claws right before he got them. Or he, they're still bone, I guess, but they're adamantium coated. I've never been really clear on that one. Um, some bones came out of my body and I was like, what am I going to do with these bones? And uh, I got in contact with this person on Twitter named Spook Person. Um, and they were like, oh, I work with bones. And I make jewelry out of bones. And I was like, can you make my bones into jewelry? And they were like, that is within my powers. So I sent them my bones and they're going to make them into earrings. And I'm going to wear my bones on the outside like a bug, um, like an exoskeleton. And I'm very excited. How much more information can your listeners and I get out of you about where these bones appeared <laughs> and from what part of your they came out of they they sort of came out of my skull um and it was an unspecified incident um oh, but what? when i posted the picture of the bone that came out people were like whoa what and i was like if you think that looks bad you should see the other guy oh my God. because he can't see you not anymore um implying i gouged his eyes out but um uh yeah no the bones um i'm fine i'm fine don't worry about me listeners or you um but i'm very excited 
because um, it's technically medical waste and uh, they weren't supposed to give it to me, but they did. Okay. And, uh, yes. I have tried to obtain parts of my body before from doctors and they've always given some bullshit excuse about like, oh, we can't, you know, and I'm like, oh, why? Like, it's mine. It's my property. It's not okay. It's my property. My body, my choice. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I know. This guy was, I've asked before and they've been like, no, um, we can't give you your skin. And this guy was like, no, I can't. And then he was like, well, maybe. Oh, that's so good that you found somebody would do it. Yeah, that's how I choose which surgeon is going to operate on my bone issues in my skull. Yeah, well, that are, from the, that When on. the bones are coming out and I'm like, I need someone who will give me the bones. I'm not so worried about getting this dealt with immediately, um, but I do want the bones. So um, please direct me to the ER where they'll give me the bones. Did you, um, you probably haven't read it because it's quite old and pretty random, but um, do you know about this book called The Surrender by Tony Bentley? No. Okay, so <laughs> Tony Bentley was a ballerina and she wrote this book in like, I think early 2000s um, about just like this guy fucking her in the ass. It's just this, it's a chronicle of her getting fucked in the ass and being like, I found Jesus and like my vagina was <laughs> <laughs> like was too ruined and compromised. Like I had too much vaginal sex that I didn't, you know, like, like whatever. And like, so this guy just comes over to like my velvet clad apartment and like fucks my ass. And then I like have a spiritual experience and, um, she saves all the condoms. She saves every condom. Like she knots it and saves it in this Chinese like lacquer box. Um, anyway, she also Maggie Nelson has this like in the Argonauts, there's this dig against about her about and about how Maggie Nelson thinks the surrender is like a really stupid book. Um, and anyway, Tony, for the New York Times, I think, wrote about getting a hip, hip replacement because she was a ballerina, you know, and they like, like so hard mm -hmm. on their bodies and how she convinced the doctor to give her her, her real hip. And I think she talks about like having to boil off like the you know like the yeah. Flat, right yeah to get the clean bone and like I don't really know what the point of the article was other than like but I think that just opened a lot of people's eyes for like oh yeah why aren't I allowed to like keep my removed body part <laughs> I think the point of the article was probably just bragging that right 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 has a cool bone um yeah no um spook person posted pictures of the bone in sort of a um some kind of substance um in like a a beaker <laughs> in front of a bunch of other bones, um, which I'll I'll link to in the show notes because it's so cool. Um, it's just really cool. But what if they're cloning you? What if they're like? Have you thought about this? Oh, no, I didn't. But that would be great. You know, I, I I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, the question that's always on the tips of everyone's tongue is: if there was a clone of you, would you fuck it, or would you fuck them? That sounds horrible. It clones rights you know um clones are people uh and it's complicated because i have a very tortured relationship to my body i have some kind of dysmorphic issues some kind of body dysmorphic disorder probably and um but i wonder like so so on the face of it the answer would be no um because i don't find myself attractive um but if it were another person, would I recognize that as myself or would I just be like, this is another person. And so I don't project my own issues onto them. Um, and that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because that's and, you know, that's maybe a window into sort of my my priorities, my mental priorities. Well, I I I'm glad you brought this up because now I get to air some old hard feelings, which is that <laughs> Tina Horn came over. And played a board game with me because, as you know, um, I'm part of a board game, a menacing board game couple. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm linking to that um, that song in the the show notes, the the polyamory song. Um, and one of the board games, because we are that way, we had made up our own questions for, and because we didn't like their questions, and because it's kind of like a 
like a party game, you know, like get people mm-hmm. talking game. And so one of the, so we made up the, the series of questions, one of which was, um, I think maybe the first one is like, would you want to be cloned? The second one is like, would you have sex with the clone? The next one is, would you let your partner fuck your clone? And Tina then went on your podcast and you guys talked about this and she said, Charlotte wouldn't fuck her own clone. And you both were like, oh no, that's such an indictment that like Charlotte's bad at that. (laughs) (laughs) And no, it's because of exactly the same reasons you say. Like, first of all, if I had a clone out there, I think I would be like, it's really imperative that we never meet. Because if I saw myself like in 3D, like, you know, my my theory right now is that none of us have any idea how we really look, right? All we have to Mm -hmm. go on are mirrors and pictures. They don't do it. Like even video doesn't really do it. Like, we have no idea how we like inhabit a physical space outside of ourselves. You know, like we never get to observe ourselves outside ourselves. So mm-hmm. if I saw myself, like as I saw another person, I just, I feel like I would, I would just melt like the wicked witch of, you know, like I would just be a puddle of like self-loathing. I'd be like, Oh my God, there's so many more things wrong with me than I realized. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you, maybe you wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. Maybe you wouldn't recognize that person as yourself because they are a distinct being and none of us has ever had that experience. But, you know, I, I have had the experience of glancing at a photo of myself um, and not immediately recognizing it as me for one reason or another. And in that split second, I'm like, Oh, that person's really lovely. And then I realize it's me and my brain clicks (laughs) into place and is like, no, that's horrible. What a monster. So I wonder how that would be. And, and until I guess it happens, these are all just interesting questions. Well, I also think I really like finding out for coupled people, like if they would let their partner fuck their clone. And it's amazing how many people will be like, I feel like there actually is sort of a, a neat division between people who are willing to fuck their own clone. Like the people who are really enthusiastic about fucking their clone are normally, I think, in my limited experience, the same ones who are like, oh, hell no, my partner is not going near my clone. And the ones who are like more ambivalent about it are the ones who are kind of like, well, maybe like if we all were all in it together. Um, but it definitely, I, I think it's really interesting because I don't know. That's what I, that's the level I'm ready for. <laughs> I think we're all ready for it. Where's my clone? I was promised, you know, people are like, where's my flying car? Well, yeah, exactly. Where's my clone? Exactly. We were supposed to be driving our clones around in the flying cars by now, like drinking, drinking the juice that makes us live forever. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the real future is cl- our clones drive, sitting in their own self-driving cars and uh, going to their gig economy jobs. So... <laughs> Yeah. Depressing. Well, do you want to move on to the segment that we do, which we didn't do when you were first on the show? Um, and it's a segment called Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. Yes. Cool. It's a segment where we recommend things to you, the listener. And I uh, will leave it up to you as to whether you would like to go first or you would like me to go first how many things do we recommend usually like a few you can handful? recommend well most people do one <laughs> but it, it's it's not unprecedented uh to do multiple uh morgan jerkins was recently on the show uh-huh. and i think she recommended three different things so which were like a movie uh skincare and i think a book so <laughs> you know as many as you like within reason okay um yeah one one seems almost stingy but Maybe I should just make that one count. But okay, you go first. You go first while I think about it. Well, the thing about today is um, I, um, as is sort of my want, I forgot about the segment. And um, so I'm going to have to think about it for a second. And um, we can just cut this pause out. Okay, I've got something. Okay. Um, And that was, um, it only took me like, half a second to come up with it it wasn't like 20 minutes of silence that we cut <laughs> um there is a um there's a website called verve um it's spelled vrv.co I, I didn't know how to pronounce it for kind of an embarrassingly long time um and uh i have been writing for them because they have a blog and i've written pieces on 
um, all kinds of stuff. It's a streaming website, uh, and but they host a bunch of different channels. So they host a channel called Crunchyroll, which is like the big U.S. anime channel. They host Mubi, which is like um, just like a, a movie site. Um, they they host like all kinds of stuff. There's like a horror uh, horror channel. There's like a, a you know Asian drama channel. There's all kinds of stuff. So I've been writing for them and I can basically write about anything that they host, which is incredible. So I've been writing about, um, about some anime, which I don't know much about, but that's been kind of fun. Um, I've been writing about films. And one thing I wrote about recently, and I think this will have gone up by the time this comes out. Um, it definitely will have actually is, um, I wrote about this interview, um, that's on movie with Jean Genet. And are you familiar with him at all? Only a little bit. Only in as much as like, like um, other people are compared to him. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't he feel like one of the yeah. touchstones where everyone's like, "Oh, this person's like a Jean Genet type." Yeah, and that's why I think um, people should know about him because I, I think there is maybe not as much awareness of him amongst people who are into queer literature as there could be. And I will say that his stuff is sometimes difficult to read it's sort of the progenitor of your um your dennis coopers i think um because it is about criminalized queer people living on the margins of society and often doing a lot of crimes which in like theft and sometimes murder and those things are kind of valorized in in at least Our Lady of the Flowers, which is his first novel, which um, is the only book I've actually read by him, but is very good. Uh, and there's an interview on Verve called Jean Genet, an interview with Anton Boissadier. Um, and it's like 50 minutes long. It's a little weird because it's just him talking for the most part. There's some interspersion of like um, readings from his work, but it's mostly just him talking. But he's a really interesting guy. Um, he talks about like, uh, you know, his experiences in prison because he wrote Our Lady of the Flowers while in jail. And then he wrote it all on like this paper that was given to him by guards that was meant for like making bags. Um, when they found out he was writing a book, they burnt it. And then he wrote the entire thing again, um, which is like wild to me and so impressive. So um, it's a quick documentary. I think, you know, watch it with a glass of wine on your own. And um and if you already know about him, it's it's fun. And if you don't, it's sort of an interesting way to see who this guy is. And then you should totally read one of his books. Okay, i I think i I think I have my my spark of inspiration. Um, I'm going to recommend not reading the New York Times. <laughs> Very good. Something available to all of us. I think sometimes we forget that, um, particularly the op-ed section. But frankly, any section you could not read. And that's something you could do on your own with a glass of wine. <laughs> I actually have the New York Times muted. So even when I do look at my timeline, I don't see them. Um, and I've just, you don't have to. Don't and have to this do is it. something I've been thinking about in the past couple of days. And like, like, I don't look at takes for the most part anymore, almost ever. Um, especially from the New York times and stuff. And, um, I feel like I might be sabotaging my efforts to be like a relevant writer and like public intellectual, but I don't care. And I don't care enough about those goals to subject myself to articles about the age of the twink or like the future of gaping on in the New York times. Um, <laughs> Because it isn't—it's not worth it, and other people want to do that, and I say God bless. Um, but that's—it ain't me, babe. It ain't me. <laughs> oh, I love you. This is why I come on Woodland Secrets. Oh, and it's not—I just want to say because I feel this way too, and I think probably like a lot of writers listen to this, listen to you, and like I don't think that maybe once upon a time there was an environment such that if you publicly said something like fuck the new york times like it would kind of be this you would uh foreclose the advancement of your career like to a certain point i think those days are done and i also think it's like one of those you know like war is over if you want to think it's like 
the New York Times is over if we want it. Like we have to make the world where <laughs> we have other options and we don't make that world by like pretending they're okay and like kissing their ass or pretending that they're the only option out there because they are not. Um, and maybe then like instead if people want to read, I haven't totally finished it. So if there's something, um, you know, I don't know if there's like a passage advocating racial genocide, then I guess I'm going to hear about it. <laughs> There's always a channel. You never you know. know. Also, yeah, like in the footnotes, people sneak some stuff in. This book called Mass Media and the Shaping of American Feminism, obviously a super boring title, um, but I read, I've been reading a bunch of stuff, just like a really, a truly ridiculous amount of material to write um, a piece that literally I wrote like 10,000 words. And of course, like the piece that runs is like less than 3000, but it's okay. It was worth it. It was like, you know, a self-education and it was good. Um, but this book, Mass Media and the Shaving of American Feminism is I think um, just really good and smart. And it feels really relevant now because it talks about how um, at, during this period of like the second wave, um, women really wanted to kind of like leverage and weaponize mass media to their own ends. Um, but corporate media is its own beast and it's not like on our side. It's not our friend. And so the same way I kind of think about the New York times, I'm like, the New York times is not our ally, you know, like all that bullshit about like subscribe to us, like to support the resistance or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. these, these, these entities are not like in the trenches with us. They're beholden to the people who have money. The people who have money are not the ones like who are on our side. So I just think there's a lot of like really like trenchant, lessons in the book and it's I think it's really fascinating too because it's about you know such a fertile part of history but it has um that kind of granularity that I really like that's the only way I can get interested in history you know is like the super personal stuff where like people just being outrageous bitches and like saying the most amazing things and um and in the same book mass media and the shape of American feminism they talk a little bit about all these other um kind of like institutions like magazines or whatever that I think now we think of as being um, super leftist and more so than the New York times. Um, but that they were also so hostile to the women's movement and that they kind of have these like black marks in their past. And I just think it's really why it's just like a really important thing to keep in mind. You know, it's kind of like who funds this, like what actually is the mission of this outlet? Um, Mm -hmm. and it just seems, it seems important to keep in mind. Um, and another book that was really good was I just read is a delusion of Satan and I devoured it like, a, like it was a real housewives episode. Um, and it's about the Salem witch trials and it's really, really good. That's awesome. So I'm going to count those as, as Rex as well. Um, There's three recommendations. Yeah. Not reading the New York <laughs> times and reading those books. Yeah. Instead. yeah. Awesome. Well, do you want to tell people where they can find you online? Yes, you can still find me on Twitter for who knows how long. It's um, at Sharo Shane, which is C-H-A-R-O Shane, S-H-A-N-E. And then um, I'm on Instagram on the same handle. And you should follow me there because I'm really trying to make Instagram like I'm just going for and like I'm just going for it, like trying to make it really the place Twitter used to be like a safe, fun haven for <laughs> happiness and jokes. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I. Maybe you'll finally get me on Instagram. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming back on. And I say this a lot, but I I hope and I'm going to try and make it so that it's going to be less than two years before you're back on again. <laughs> you can just set yourself a reminder in like six months. Oh, you know, do this yeah. on Twitter, right? Where if you're like, remind me, you know, in, in one year, someone remind me to have Charlotte back on the podcast and somebody will like, yeah. <laughs> Out, outsource my reminding. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Great. Well, have a great day and I will talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. 
If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.